Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. I want to go back. I want to pick up and, and look at all of these texts collectively. We're going to zoom out a little bit because we've been going piece by piece through these verses a day at a time. And now I want to see them all in one contiguous train of thought. Here's Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. And we're going to overlap by a couple of verses into this week's sermon text. Chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate, and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves, You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes covered with thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Wow. We're going to delve into this, and we're going to go through in our sermon this weekend. Uh, we're going to go all the way through uh, verse 29 in our sermon this weekend. So I wanted to give a running start and just show you this bridge that connects this, uh, this week's devotions portion of the, of the Sermon on the Mount into this week's sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has given us a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father who gives us good gifts. And it's a good thing to ask your Father to seek His will, to knock on the door. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled, man. You have a good Heavenly Father, so pray to Him accordingly. And in that interest, because you've been treated this way by God, treat others in a way that you want to be treated. You've been shown grace, so show grace to other people. But be warned as you do, not everybody else is going through the narrow gate. In fact, you're in the minority. Few are the ones who find this narrow gate. And it's a difficult path. You're going to be outnumbered, and you're going to be surrounded by pseudo-martoreo, right? False believers, even false teachers. That's what we'll delve into again this weekend. It's a, it's a, it's it's a tough truth. It's actually one of the scariest passages in the Bible for pastors. You want to come here. One of the, uh, the two things I'm scared of are great white sharks and verse 21 of this week's sermon text. I'm afraid that people who sit under my teaching would be shocked in judgment one day, that they would hear me preach and then sit in judgment before God and say, yeah, but, but, but I thought that I was a Christian. Okay. I'm always, that's a terrifying thing for a pastor. I imagine it's terrifying for you as well. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. All right, that's coming up in this week's sermon. I wanted to build a bridge between what we studied in Monday through Friday to what we see in today's devotion. It means that the minority of the people you meet are going to treat you the way you want to be treated and they're going to treat you the way they would rather be treated. So because we've seen in yesterday's devotion and the day before that the gate is narrow and few find it, that the road is difficult, we marry this to what came immediately before that. In the pericope, in the anticipatory text, we see that we're outnumbered. 
because the majority of the people out there are not going to treat us in accordance with verse 12. Because we're going through the narrow gate, we're outnumbered. Because most people are going to destruction, most people don't have the Holy Spirit of God. They, they are not sons of our Father in heaven. They're not then, under this teaching, to actively treat us the way that we want to be treated. Not, and especially not those who adhere to pagan iterations of the same teaching. This, this teaching or versions of it, darkly iterations of it, kind of articulating its converse in some ways, are found in Hinduism and Buddhism. And even atheists uh, like Richard Dawkins once accidentally tweeted out Jesus' version of the golden rule, Jesus' perfection, if you will, of the golden rule. Not everybody believes that way. They're going to be more aimed at their own selfish ends, not treating you in the way that you want to be treated because you have gone through the narrow gate, because you are one of the few, because you are necessarily a contrarian, by your very lifestyle and belief, you can anticipate that you will be one of few adhering to Jesus' perfected golden rule. It's a bit pessimistic, it's true, but it's also quite realistic. And it prepares us in the face of unkindness to respond instead with a new legacy of grace. As you are living a lifestyle that is contrary, that is conspicuous, you will be enacting the golden rule as perfected by Jesus. And as you live out this lifestyle that has been summarized, you know, a summary of the law and the prophets given by Jesus, not everybody else is going to do the same thing. Is that an excuse to slip on it? No, it's not. Because every one of us is going to give an account before God for how we live. If you're not a Christian, you're going to stand before God in the great white throne judgment. If you are a Christian, you're going to stand before the Bema seat judgment. And that's a beautiful day in the end because upon every one of your sins, the pronouncement is tetelestai, paid in full. You are imputed with the righteousness of Jesus. But the text is clear. We also still do stand in judgment before God to give an account for everything that we've done, whether good or evil, while in the flesh. Now, we know that day is coming, and the sins of others do not excuse our sins. Just because someone has treated us in a way that we do not want to be treated, as will be the case with most of the population, see these texts that we've been studying this week, it does not rationalize, it just does not justify, it does not excuse our sins against other people. You're going to be amazed at how the application of much of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with how we interact with one another. We saw this in our sermon this past weekend. Uh, it has much to do with the one another's, right? Uh, or excuse me, weekend, uh, weekend before last. Much of how we apply the Sermon on the Mount has to do with how we treat one another. And man, you're going to give an account before God for how you have treated even your enemies. You love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When you do this, you are sons of your father in heaven. You're, you're like a daughter of the king. You're, you're a son of God with a lowercase s when you respond that way. So, anticipate it. Don't be shocked by it. When you read this, when you grasp this in the word of God, you look up from your Bible, you observe the world around you, and you see exactly what you ought to expect based on what you've read. It's almost like the word of God is true, right? 